Thanks, bro. Good morning. Good to see you all. We, uh, we're really blessed to be here. Um, my wife, Melissa, she's, we're, we're always on this side. This is the good side. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and we've got a, a six-year-old and a, and a one-year-old, and we've, we've just been blessed to get to know you guys. It's really a family. Um, so this morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to go to Luke chapter 5. And uh, starting in verse 27, we're going to read a, a really fascinating story. It might be familiar to many. So Luke chapter 5, and Luke writes, After this, he, Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why don't we pray together? Lord, we welcome you this morning to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, to illuminate things for us, that we, we desire to behold wonderful things from your word. Please make it personal. Please speak to each one of us. We want to honor you and make much of you, and we welcome you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a, an amazing story of God's grace to sinful people, and there's a few things I just want to bring out as we go through it. The first is an ordinary and unlikely person. And you see it there, verse 27, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, you know, we think tax collector, we think of the IRS. This is like a lot worse than that. So take that and like make it a lot bigger in your mind. These were the most despised people in that day, even more than the IRS today. They were considered lower than the scum of the earth. And the reason why is that these were people who were Jewish uh, people who betrayed their own countrymen to go and work for the Romans, the enemy. And they had the backing of Roman soldiers to make sure that people paid crazy taxes, ridiculous taxes. They were also extortioners because whatever they overcollected, they got to keep for themselves. There was a big incentive to um, collect more than what Rome required. Very greedy. And they were so detested that they weren't even able to enter the synagogue. And their testimony couldn't be accepted in the court of law. So Levi, this guy, he might have been the most hated person in Capernaum. But when Jesus sees him, he goes right for him. Have you ever done that? Like you... You're driving or you're walking somewhere and you see someone you don't, you don't really like or you just don't want to deal with them and you just think, oh, I hope I didn't make eye contact, didn't make eye, and you just hope that they didn't see you. That's not what Jesus does. He singles him out and doesn't try to avoid him but speaks right to him. And it's also remarkable to make note of, it says very clearly that Levi was sitting at his tax booth he was presently engaged in this shady business. 
He didn't have to get out of his tax booth, clean up his life a little bit, put that, some of those bad things aside, and then Jesus would come to him. Clean up your life, then we'll talk. Jesus met him right where he was in the mess of his sin. Imagine what this would have been like for Levi. Like he's used to constant criticism, slander, uh, people despising him, evil looks and whispered uh, you know, rumors. He's used to it, and, and a lot of it is rightfully so uh, because of what he's done. And then on top of that, he probably has dealt with a lot of shame and guilt because he was raised in a Jewish home, and he knows better. He probably grew up knowing about these other tax collectors, and he made a choice somewhere along the way to, to follow in this terrible path. And all of a sudden, this mysterious miracle worker comes to him with a heart of love. And we don't know the extent of Levi's exposure to Jesus, but at this time, Jesus' uh, fame is spreading like wildfire, and his reputation is making its way into cities long before Jesus ever even shows up. Uh, in fact, just before this encounter, we read in Luke that Jesus had been at a house nearby, and a paralytic was lowered down from the ceiling by his friends, and Jesus healed the man. And actually, more miraculous than that, Jesus looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven. That caused quite a stir. People weren't so happy, some of them, and others were amazed. And they said, we've never seen such extraordinary things before. Levi, no doubt he's heard about this. He's heard things about Jesus. And now, and we can especially see the Spirit of God is at work in his heart based on what happens, his response. Forget Levi. Imagine what it would have been like for people around Levi. How about the Jews who maybe they're even there like in line to pay their crazy taxes. You know, they were taxed down to like the fish in the sea that the fishermen would catch. And they're watching Jesus and they're like, oh, okay, here comes that, that guy, that miracle worker. Power, power's in his name. And maybe they were just waiting for like a lightning bolt. Come on, get him. Strike him down. Come on. And to their, maybe to their dismay, what they find is Jesus invites Levi. These are, they're probably amazed. Like, like uh, why would you give the time of day to this guy? Why would you extend a heart of love to this guy? Like, what are you doing? And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And Fortunately, this wouldn't be the only time that he would choose a call to himself an unlikely person. You know, when you read the Gospel of John, do you know the very first person who Jesus revealed himself to, like as the Messiah? It wasn't a, a Pharisee. It wasn't a teacher of the law. It was a sinful Samaritan woman. That's like a lot of things going against her. She's sinful She's got a really bad past. Um, she's a Samaritan, so there's a lot of divide there, like racial, religious divide. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And she's a woman, and in that day, women were not valued. So you mix all those things together, and what do you get is unacceptable, unclean. And yet Jesus comes to her, of all people, and says, I who speak to you am he. The Messiah. 
But her, like with her past, in fact, just like Levi, she's actually presently engaged in her sin. Jesus calls it out. He says, the man you're living with isn't even your husband. Well, she's got to get that cleaned up first. And then, no, he comes right to her just like with, with Levi. And if some of us were on Jesus' uh, board, his steering committee, we might advise him, Jesus, we really got to be looking for people who have it together. Uh, we need some people of nobility. We need some people of influence. I mean, that's, that's not influence. We need some, like, really some power players. I mean, we're, we're creating a movement here. We're going to turn this world upside down. Let's see. We could get maybe one of these expert teachers, maybe uh, a, the, like a, a ruler of some. We need some people like that. And yet Jesus, he takes the rebels, the nobodies, the broken, and he richly lavishes his grace on them and makes them a display of his grace for other people to see. That, that's even what Paul said. Paul, Paul was another, speaking of unlikely, uh, he was a persecutor of the church. He tore churches apart, spe- uh, separated families. And then Jesus saved him, and he became the greatest missionary. He wrote a lot of our New Testament uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote to the Ephesians and said, hey, you guys were dead in your transgressions and sins, and God raised you to life so that in the coming ages he might show, display the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Levi, with all of his brokenness and baggage, his ugly past, is now a a trophy of grace. And listen, for you this morning, maybe you need to hear this, that you feel the weight sometimes of your own unworthiness, your ugly past. You have to remember that it's your unworthiness that is the very canvas on which the Lord vibrantly displays the colors of his grace. It's your unworthiness. That's what makes grace so amazing, by the way. Like, why would we call it amazing grace if it came only to people who deserved it? It's amazing because we got it. I got it. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're we're his, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared in advance that we should do. Ordinary and unlikely. Now, notice what uh, Jesus says to Levi. Just two words. He said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Second point is an extraordinary invitation. You have to consider the weight of this. Levi is very wealthy, thanks to everyone's taxes. Uh, He's by far the wealthiest of the 12 disciples. And it says here that he in that moment, rose up, left everything, and followed him. This would have been a tremendous sacrifice. You know, if, uh, if things don't really work out with this whole Jesus thing, the others can return back to what they were doing, fishing, uh, whatever their other occupation might have been. Not Levi. By leaving that tax booth, he's effectively closed the door on that career for good. The call of Jesus It's an abandonment to sin and self and an invitation to follow him, to walk with him, to commune with him, to have a relationship with the living God. And this is interesting because 
I mean, anybody with an agenda could have walked up to Levi and said, follow me. Hey, I got something I want. Come on, follow me. Anybody could have done that, but anybody's just anybody. Jesus is not just anybody, and Levi, somehow he understands this. When your heart begins to perceive the worth of Jesus, you realize there's no sacrifice that's too great that can be made for him. Remember, Jesus told a parable about a man who, you know, he was perfectly content in life, but then he found some treasure. And he ended up, it says, in his joy, he went and sold what he had, his house and possessions, so that he could buy the field and have it for himself. Now, prior to this, I mean, his house was his treasure. His stuff was his treasure. I mean, that was his life. But then he found something better, something of more value, something of more worth. And everything else kind of just faded because this became so precious uh, to him. That's what's happening here. And, and part of what makes this invitation so extraordinary is that the one who's giving the invitation is infinitely worthy and infinitely satisfying. So following him is the path to authentic joy and real fulfillment. Levi wasn't meant to find fulfillment in money or power or manipulation. He was meant to know and, and enjoy this relationship with his creator. You and I were not meant to find fulfillment in stuff and things and, and, and sin and pleasures. We are meant to know and love, delight in our Lord. By the way, that's a lot different, isn't it, than some of the ideas that we hear of what it means to follow Jesus. You know, some would have you believe that following Jesus is just more of a, it's like a mental ascent to some facts, but no change on the life. You know, you believe some doctrines. I believe Jesus died. But then there's no change in the life, though. It's just so cold and lifeless. It's stale. That's not following Jesus. Even the demons believe. Others would maybe have you believe that following Jesus is to meet some standard, to conform to some religious standard or some moral standard. Maybe the way that you were brought up, you need to, you know, adhere to a certain moral standard or a certain religious standard, and that's not following Jesus. I mean, the Pharisees were great at this. They tithed down to their salt and pepper, and yet Jesus had some of the strongest words for them and said, your hearts are far from me. Following Jesus is to treasure him above all and to live in relationship with him, in loving obedience, joyful surrender, and just this growing wonder. You know the, the psalm, psalmist uh, Asaph in Psalm 73, it's, it's to kind of echo his heart when he said, whom have I in heaven but you? And this earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my treasure forever. This is really what Levi does. Prior to this, money was his treasure. His position with Rome was his treasure. But now, it's just Jesus. I'm going to leave all that because I found Jesus and this is an active following, not a passive one. 
Following Jesus is active. We follow him into desolate places to pray. We follow him into the lives of broken people to bring healing and comfort. We, we follow him into the lives of newer believers to bring strength and encouragement. How about this? We follow him into the chaos and animosity of the world. I mean, the world's fine, right? To bring truth, to bring the gospel. We follow him in the seasons of trial and temptation. We don't just believe some facts or adhere to a belief system. We know and delight in and walk with the living God. It's an extraordinary invitation. And Levi, right here, in this moment, it begins. I love the very first thing he does. After leaving everything behind and following Jesus, our third point is an enormous party. Look at verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. The first thing he did was cook a big dinner. But it wasn't for the food. He wanted to honor Jesus. But specifically, he wanted to bring his friends and former colleagues to meet Jesus. Imagine the criticism he's inviting on himself by doing this. I mean, uh, his former colleagues, I mean, some of them have to be a little bewildered. Like, what are you doing, Levi? You've just left this lucrative career, this, like, moneymaker to follow some guy that just said, follow me. But Levi, his heart immediately went out to the people with whom he had done life with. He wanted them to know Jesus. His, his attitude in his heart was, how can I keep Jesus to myself? So just picture this scene. It's a really intimate uh, fellowship setting, and it's a ragtag group of thieves and rebels and probably some drunks and others because we're told um, that it's a group of tax collectors and sinners. So all kinds of people with bad reputation. And they're not just sitting around a table for a quick meal. They're lying. Like that's the culture there. To have a meal, you, lay, you lie together around this table, and it takes time. It's a lengthy meal. So lots of conversation, lots of time there. And let me just tell you, it's not a church setting. It's, it's messy. It's boots on the ground. It's the mission field. And Jesus is right there in the midst of it. I, I always think about one of my friends who led someone to Christ. Uh, my friend's like, he, he's kind of like me. He's a muscle builder. And... Um, <laughs> What was that? Uh, and he, uh, he was in a gym, and he, he reached one of the guys in the gym, and this guy, just super passionate. But when he first started coming to a church that we used to be part of, he didn't know anything. I mean, he was a brand-new Christian, and he had, he had chew, you know, the tobacco on his lip, so it would stick out all really far. And one day, one of the songs was, Hosanna, Hosanna, if you know that song. And he said, he came up to my friend with his big old lip tobacco, and he said, hey, Who's Hosanna? He, he was just clueless of everything because that, this is the mission field, you know? And in, as Jesus is sitting around at this table with his disciples, with this group of tax collectors and, and sinners, there's all kinds of conversation going on. It's not a, a, a nice, conformed little church setting. One of our, the dangers for us is that we can become so insulated from the world and we forget about the people around us that we're called to reach. 
We are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal through us, you and I. Sometimes we need to remember what God pulled us out of. I mean, this is fresh in Levi's heart. He just got rescued. He just got plucked out of this hole. We got to remember where we came from, where, where God met us. Jesus is too good to be kept to ourselves. And I, I'm thankful that Levi agreed. He couldn't contain himself. It couldn't just be a personal, private matter. Um, recently, we went to this uh, birthday party. And my wife and I, we drove separately because we came at different times. And I had the kids with me. We have a six-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, we were driving home. And it was one of those moments, I don't know if you ever had this, where you just, I just felt like overwhelmed in a, in a good way. Like, I just, I can't believe that the Lord would save me, that he would extend such mercy to me. And he's given me so much. And we were at a red light. And I just, I had to tell, I had to do something, tell somebody. And I rolled down the window. There's a car next to us. And I just said, excuse me, man, how you doing? And he said, I'm good. And I said, hey, listen, Jesus came for you. He went on a rescue mission to save you. He died on the cross. He bore your sins on himself. He rose from the dead after dying. And if you put your trust in him, not in yourself, but in him, he will have mercy on you and, and grant you everlasting life. Light turned green. He said, thanks, man, and, and drove off. <laughs> and Simon, our, our six-year-old in the back seat, I remember he said, Daddy, that was amazing. <laughs> but that's what the gospel is. In fact, you know the word gospel, what does it mean? Good news. Well, how do you, how do you keep good news to yourself? If it's, I mean, if it's good news, you, you, you tell people. And that's what Levi did. You remember I mentioned the woman um, at the well earlier, the Samaritan woman? Man, she had a really similar experience to Levi because after Jesus revealed himself to her, an ordinary, unlikely person, she put her bucket down and went back into the city. Mind you, it's a city where she doesn't have any friends. If you remember the story, she was only there in the afternoon drawing water because that's the only time when there wouldn't be other people to make fun of her, to criticize her, to call out her sin. No one likes her, except for maybe the guy that she lives with. So she goes back into the city and she says, I got to tell somebody, you guys, come, see someone who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And people, in fact, really the whole city came out to see. And many of them, after hearing Jesus, put their trust in him and were saved because some woman couldn't contain herself. She couldn't keep Jesus to herself. When we love people enough to step out of our comfort zone and share Jesus with them, to introduce them to Jesus. It, it means something to them. Not always in that moment. It might be later. As Levi's colleagues and former colleagues and friends are at this table listening to the Lord of creation speak words of life, I would think that they're pretty grateful to be there. They probably really appreciate that Levi cared about them enough risked his own, you know, uh, feelings of being rejected to invite them. It's a pretty unique opportunity for them. They're not going to probably encounter a situation like this again. I remember many years ago, I went with some friends to Clearwater Beach, and we went there just to share the gospel, just to get into conversations and just see what the Lord would do. And we met a group of teens, and we were sharing with them, and they, didn't, they just didn't care. 
And uh, I remember it just didn't go so well. And that was that. They parted ways, and we continued on. You don't want to lose heart, you know, when, when you run into a, a wall. And we were talking to someone else, and as we were talking to them, these teens came back with rocks. And they took their rocks and tried to throw them at us. And it was, I've never experienced anything like that. They were really bad aim, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. And they ended up hitting a car next to us and shattered the window. And then they took off. And I was so puzzled by it because it was just such a random incident. I kind of forgot about it. Several years went by, probably five years. And I went to Walmart one day. I had to park in the back of the parking lot. And I was walking through the parking lot, and I saw this guy in the back of his truck with a bunch of fishing poles. He was getting it ready. And I just thought, this is someone to talk to. This is perfect. And so I walked up to him, and I began a conversation, and we started chatting, and I began to share the gospel with him. And it, went, it was going really well. And at the end of our conversation, he said, man, you might not remember, but you actually came up to me and my friends at the beach a few years ago. Uh, we threw rocks at you guys. Yes, I remember you. I remember you. Thank you. And he said, um, and, I, and I wrote down what he said because it just it struck me. He said, you have no idea how much it means to me that you're still sharing this message because it shows me that you really believe what you say and you really care about me. Isn't that the truth? When we share Jesus with people, it sh- we show them that we care about them. Maybe you need to ask yourself this morning, is there someone in your life the Lord's putting on your heart? Someone you need to share your Savior with? Someone you need to bring by the hand? Lead them through the scriptures? Start a dialogue and be able to introduce them? You know, when you do so, you're actually setting a feast for them, like Levi. Just think of Levi. He's such an unlikely evangelist. Well, This wonderful dinner is uh, not without controversy. And as they're dining together, having a very special moment, these lovely Pharisees pop up. They seem to always pop up, and they they come with criticism. Verse 30, the the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? These guys are so self-righteous that they look down on everyone. And by the way, they don't even go to the one that they have an issue with, Jesus. They go to his disciples. Just as a side note, that's not the best way to handle, you know, conflict. Well, Jesus hears this, and he has a staggering response. And it's more than a response to them. It really proves to be an open invitation to the people in that room. And this is our our fourth point, open invitation. Look what Jesus says. He answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, let's just be honest. Everyone in this room and everyone in the world has a terminal sickness called sin. There's no getting around that. No amount of Positive thinking or firm resolutions will change that. And the end result is horrific if left in that state. And sadly, many people cannot recognize it in themselves. Oh, they can recognize it in other people, like these Pharisees, these tax collectors and sinners. They can even 
identify the effects of it around them. They see addiction and divorce and strained relationships and depression and loneliness all around them, and they can conclude something's wrong. Something's not right here. But they fail to see it right here in their heart. And Jesus, he spoke truth, and he often spoke very candidly about the human condition. Because that's why he came, was to save sinners. In Mark 7, listen to what he said. He said, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, envy, uh, deceit, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, not from your environment, not because he did that to me and she did that. You have no idea how I was raised. Not that. They come from within, and they defile a person. He's saying that the heart is sick, and from it springs up these really ugly things. And this would be very familiar language for the Pharisees, uh, for those who knew their scriptures, because they could think back to Jeremiah, the prophet who said in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So when Jesus responds here to these Pharisees, he's not implying that there's some who are good and there's some who are bad and he's come for those who are bad. What he's saying is that he's come, first of all, we're all bad, but he's come for those who humbly recognize their sickness. But he refuses, he, he opposes those who pridefully think they're fine. And in responding this way, he's giving an open invitation for those who would see their sin and come to him by faith and repentance. I wonder if there were people in this room who heard these words sitting around you know, this table and thought, me? Wow, like he's come from me. You mean I... I Am a candidate for this with all my sin? And maybe this was a pivotal turning point for some of the people in this room. When you go out tonight, if it's a clear night, you look up at the, the sky, you'll see these stars, these balls of gas that light up the sky. And you go out in the morning, and you look at the same sky, and they're, they're nowhere to be found. But they're still there. It's just that you can't see them unless they are shining against the darkness of the night sky. And a person will only see the beauty and the majesty and the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done against the, the darkness of their sinful hearts. That's why he says this. And honestly, the implications of this go far beyond that dinner party. They extend all the way to here in this room, every one of us. We are sick. We need help. The great physician has come. He sees us. He meets us right where we are and extends an open invitation to us. And let me just take a moment and just remind us of the gospel. You know that you can never outgrow your need for the gospel whether you're a, a, a very seasoned Christian or you're a brand new Christian or you're not a Christian, the gospel is for all of us. Just 
a couple of years after this dinner party, this extraordinary moment, Jesus will uh, give himself up to be arrested, falsely accused, maligned, uh, abandoned by every one of his friends, beaten beyond recognition. He will willingly be led up a hill to be put to death in the most excruciating and humiliating way possible. The God of creation nailed to a tree that he fashioned. Uh, the one who spoke the universe into being will cry out between struggling breaths, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The sinless and holy one of God would take on the full weight of the wrath of God against sin. And the one who always existed, never had a beginning of days, would be placed in a dark tomb, lifeless. And three days later, he would rise from the dead, conquering, as conquering king, victorious over the grave, over death, over Satan, and over our sin. He went to that extent to reach us. He didn't leave us in our, our mess. He didn't leave us in our sickness, but he came for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were sick, while we were rebels, while we were at our worst and our lowest, Christ died for us. Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He became a curse to redeem us from the curse of the law. He gave his life as a ransom for many. All of our condemnation and shame was nailed through the hands of the Son of God. He made peace by the blood of his cross. And to this morning, we can say with confidence, we can echo the Apostle Paul when he said, I am sure, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers or things present or things to come or powers or height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have confidence of that. And this morning, you're here for a reason. And maybe you're someone, maybe this is your first time in a church setting in a long time. And maybe this is very new for you. And the Lord, he brought you here and he wants you to know he loves you. You might be very ordinary. Like, you might feel like you're a nobody. You might even battle stuff like that with your family and just feeling unvalued. But you're not unvalued. You have value. He created you. He, he brought you here. You might feel um, like you're very unlikely. Your, your past is just too messed up. There's just too much baggage. There's just too much that you've, as recent as this morning. That's not true. He sees you where you are, and he's calling you to himself. He's extended an invitation to you. If he extended it to Levi, he's extending it to you. And the question is, will you, will you put your trust in him? Will you surrender to him? And you know, your prayer can be as simple as, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
And maybe you're here, and I think many of us are followers of Jesus. And, and you love him, and he's rescued you. And as you're hearing these things, it kind of just stirs the, I hope, it stirs the affections in your heart for your Savior, just remembering what he did for you, that you belong to him, and he belongs to you. The Holy Spirit in you witnesses and testifies that you belong to him. And God will use you. Did you know that Levi, we also know him as Matthew, he went on to write one of the Gospels under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wrote part of the Bible. That guy, God will use you regardless of, of what you feel like. Consider who you'll, you will bring to Jesus, who you will introduce to Jesus. Let's pray together. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross to pay for our sins. We delight in you. If you know this, this uh, hymn, let, let's just sing it together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We pray for those who don't know you as their Savior yet, that you would speak to their hearts, draw them to yourself. Help them, Lord, to, to cry out to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.